Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests and a few little surprises along the way. The annual Las Vegas Star Trek convention was last weekend and featured all of the usual suspects, by which I mean all the stars you can name in the Trek galaxy, and we've got news from that. Also some updates on Discovery news that we learned from the convention and some exciting announcements about upcoming Star Trek projects and what's coming up for this very show. So let's not waste any time, let's get underway. Star Trek Las Vegas is an amazing assemblage of Star Trek stars, Trek writers and creators, and Trek fans, and this year was no exception. I mean, the Vegas Con's list of cancellations is bigger than some Con's entire guest list. Thankfully, there weren't too many cancellations this year. Uh, Frakes had to cancel, but I can only assume it's because he's hard at work, possibly on an episode of Star Trek Discovery. So no hard feelings there. Alexander Siddig and Ron Perlman also had to step away, but those two are always pulling down cool jobs. So what are you going to do? This is the one that would have killed me, though. David Warner was unable to attend due to a work conflict. I don't mean like he couldn't get anybody to cover his shift at the Dairy Queen. He had an acting job. Maybe he was doing pickups for Mary Poppins, too. Uh, in which he plays Admiral Boom. You know, the guy who shoots the cannon twice a day. It's been a long time since I've seen that film. And, you know, I wouldn't have said to myself, you know whose story we never really got? Admiral Boom. What's up with that guy? But if he's played by David Warner, bring it on, I say. That man is a gift. One of the highlights of the show was a 90-minute reunion of the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. The cast, they still look amazing. They still love each other. And it looked like they were having a lot of fun. There were a few interesting things that we learned at the panel. During the Q&A, a fan asked a question about the difficult contract negotiation stories that he's heard about some of the female cast members, and Marina Sirtis had a story of her own to tell. She pointed out that women make less than men in Hollywood on average, and said that when she was negotiating her fee for Star Trek Nemesis, the producers threatened to drop Troy from the film and add Jerry Ryan's Seven of Nine to the film in her place. To which Sirtis observed that Jerry Ryan wouldn't do it for the money that they were offering either. It's interesting to note that Ryan had mentioned in a previous interview from 2011 that she had turned down an offer to be a nemesis from producer Rick Berman. So, way to stick to your guns, Marina. I mean, the reward was that you had to be in Star Trek Nemesis, but you got paid. And it's the principle. Here's a story from Patrick Stewart's panel. Patty Stew revealed that Gene, you know... Gene Roddenberry did not want Stewart for the role of Captain Picard originally. Stewart was seen in a play by original series and TNG producer Bob Justman, who invited Stewart to Roddenberry's house, and Gene was not feeling it. Says Stewart, quote, Gene and I did not have a close relationship. We had a respectful relationship. Gene had very strongly felt that I was wrong for the role. End quote. He goes on to say that there was quite a bit of a back and forth between Gene and the rest of the production staff, but Gene was eventually worn down, and eventually he made peace with the decision. Because look at him. He, he's Captain Picard. And he's Professor X, but that's a different show. In other news from Vegas, at the Star Trek original series set tour panel, James Cowley, Star Trek New Voyages producer and owner of the original series set tour, announced he'll be launching a new Star Trek film academy in the spring of 2018. Just like the set tour, the Film Academy will be officially licensed by CBS, and it will offer week-long courses in Trek-style filmmaking. 
says Cowley, quote, You are going to be able to come to our sets, and it will be an Academy experience. You are going to be able to learn how to make a Star Trek episode. You are going to go from script to stage over a six- to seven-day period, and you are going to work with people who actually made Star Trek episodes. We're going to pretend it's 1966, and you're an employee of Desilu Studios. End quote. So you'll be finding a way to trick pigeons into leaving the soundstage? You'll be shooing Harlan Ellison away from the Orion Slave Girls? A kid, a kid. Anyway, this is... I think this is... Is this good? This is good news? This is good news? I don't know. I think I'll need about six hours with internet demagogues before I can form their opinions. Uh, I mean, my opinion on this. I, I'm sure there's people on both sides of the fan film debate that are both happy and sad about this. It's a little weird. So help me out here. Paramount and CBS shut down fan films so that they could help people make fan films? I, I'm going to self-sterilize like Nomad here. Is the course under 15 minutes? It's great that Cowley's found a way to further utilize these nice sets that he's got, but what? What? I, I don't know. More on this as it develops. Well, if you listen to this show frequently, you know that former guest and friend of the podcast, David Mack, has written the first Star Trek Discovery tie-in novel, and the title and a synopsis were announced at the con. The title is Desperate Hours. Here's the synopsis. The novel is a prequel to Star Trek Discovery that flashes back to when Michael Burnham was only acting first officer on the USS Shencho. Her time to prove herself comes when a Federation colony comes under attack from a mysterious alien aggressor. Burnham may have to defy Starfleet orders to save the lives of the colonists. Nice. That book's available for pre-order. It comes out September 26th, two days after the show premieres. I will put a link in the show notes so you can order it now. Get it now so you're ready to go. And that's not all. There will be a Discovery prequel comic from IDW set to release in October of this year, written by Discovery writer Kirsten Beyer and by Mike Johnson, who has written some Kelvin film comic tie-ins. The Star Trek Discovery comic is a prequel that will explore the backstories of the main Klingon characters, uh, including Takuvma. So we'll find out more about him. Art on the series will be provided by Tony Shastin, who collaborated with Johnson on those earlier Trek comics. So look for that at your local comic shop. And speaking of Discovery, here is our latest Discoverage for this week. A few more details have come out about Brian Fuller's exit from Discovery. I know, I know, this is, this is kind of old news, but it's his perspective we're hearing here. Uh, he was talking with, I don't know, somebody or other, and he confirmed some stuff that we heard already, and a few new details, like he did want the series to be an anthology originally in the vein of American Horror Story. Uh, he was not big on David Samel. Uh, the guy who was directing the pilot, he actually wanted Edgar Wright to direct the pilot, which would have been a thing. Uh, there were other clashes over budgets and so on and so forth. He was asked to leave, mostly because he was spending a lot of time on the launch of American Gods, and of course Discovery was repeatedly being delayed. But he was a proponent of getting Sinequa Martin-Green on the show from the beginning, even before she was released from her AMC contract and available to be on the show. He knew that she was the Michael he was looking for. What else? Um, we're going to see Tribbles on the new show, say the producers, because Star Trek, I guess? Oh, here's something that caused a bit of a flap for a while. There's a big EW piece. It's a cover piece on Discovery, and the writer of the piece related an exchange from the set where Jason Isaacs was ad-libbing something like, fire at them for God's sake, and during a break in the filming, Kirsten Beyer, one of the writers, uh, says to Isaacs, um, you can't say for God's sake because Gene thinks there's no religion in the 23rd century. Guess whether that pissed people on the internet off. Well, the production's already gone back on that apparent claim. Gretchen Berg, one of Discovery's showrunners, said at the TCA press tour that, well, here's what she said, quote, 
In our room, it's something we discuss a lot. I don't necessarily agree with Byer's quote. On a show about diversity and with different points of view, I feel like you have to accept that some people believe in God, some people want to worship a potato, and some people don't want to believe in anything. I think there's room for that on Star Trek. End quote. Comparing religious people's love of their deity to loving a potato is not a step forward. <laughs> that is a lateral move. But whatever. Um, as far as the EW article goes, you know, we weren't there and as somebody who has worked on stage and in film, I'll tell you that nothing anyone says in rehearsal or when the cameras are not rolling means anything, really. Whether or not Bayer was giving a note on Captain Lorca's personal convictions or noting an overemphasis in his dialogue on something or maybe, you know, it's the EW Journal looking for those hot clicks. You know, I think everybody can just cool their warp cores here. Kirsten Beyer knows more about Star Trek than anyone, besides maybe Sheldon on The Big Bang Theory, and he's a fictional character. So these people know what they're doing. I mean, Rain Wilson is going to be in like nine, 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 of, nine of these things? Nine. Jeez. No, no. They know what they're doing. Speaking of ad-libs, that's how this all got started. Jason Isaacs, Captain Lorca of the Discovery, proved recently that he may wear a blue collar on the new show, but it doesn't necessarily mean that his comedy tastes follow suit. I'm really embarrassed I took the time to think of that segue. Let, let me just speed through this. He decided since all captains have their catchphrase, like Picard's, Engage, or Cisco's It's real! Or Janeway's, Where's my coffee? He needed one too. He needs a catchphrase. And he settled on... Get her done. No, really. I mean, he, he's, he's trolling us, right? He's clearly just making fun of the colonists at this point, right? Anyway, uh, someone told him that a famous comedian had trademarked that already and it wasn't going to work, to which I assume he replied, Well, excuse me! If you're serious about this catchphrase thing, Jason, I think I can help you. Here's a few suggestions. They're all free of charge, and they're all going to be delivered in his teeth-clenchingly British accent. Are you having a laugh? Kiss my grits. Did I do that? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. And, nice work, crew. We killed them as dead as God is. Well, we've got some announcements to make here on the show. No, it's not that Nicholas Meyer is reportedly working on a con prequel series. Wow, how did, how did we miss that in the news? No, it's way better than that. So Discovery, of course, is coming up September 24th. The end of the second season of this show, Enterprising Individuals, is scheduled to be around the same time. So guess what? It's the first new Trek series in 12 years. We're covering it. So starting at 9.30 p.m. Central, immediately after the premiere of Star Trek Discovery, we will be broadcasting a live Discovery discussion show, clever name to be decided soon, where we talk about the premiere. I'll have some special guests on. We'll talk about what we just saw. It'll be a great time. Then, until November 5th, in our usual Wednesday slot, we'll have a similar weekly show about each of the episodes of Star Trek Discovery's first half in turn. And we'll pick that up again when the series returns in January. And then regular enterprising individuals programming will return once the series wraps in February. So, tune in live after the premiere of Star Trek Discovery. I'll have links posted and I'll keep you informed ahead of time so you know exactly where to go and where you can listen after the premiere. And tune in for our ongoing Discovery recaps as the show goes on. So yeah, we're going all in on this one. Take that, Chris Hardwick. Kiss my grits. 
Remember, listeners, to get updates on Trek and on our show, just go to facebook.com forward slash EISTpod or find us at at EISTpod on Twitter or through our social media links on enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also reach the show at EISTpod at gmail.com with feedback and suggestions or to just say hello. We're waiting to receive your transmission. I'd also like to direct your attention to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. Our live show about Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is available now and exclusively to our Patreon patrons, not to mention our upcoming DS9 commentaries, my Klingon Christmas Carol production diary, and a sneak peek at our schedule of upcoming shows and guests. It's all there. We work hard to bring you an entertaining and informative show every week. And if this was the 24th or even the 23rd century where money didn't exist, God, we don't know yet, we would do it merely for the sense of satisfaction. But this is the 21st century and God is on our money and everything costs something, it seems. So if you enjoy the show and you want to help out, please check out our Patreon. Again, it's at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. We have many tiers or ranks at which you can contribute with different benefits and there are prizes you can receive, plus knowing that you're contributing to something that you love and you're part of a larger community, plus you get access to great subscriber content like the Wrath of Khan live show. Anything that you can contribute would be appreciated. It would help keep us flying. Thanks. And that is it for this supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an iTunes listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on iTunes? Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Also, write a little review if the spirit moves you and give us a rating at the very least. If you're on iTunes, we'd appreciate it. If you're not on iTunes, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get our show from. And if you leave positive comments and ratings on those platforms as well, we would be eternally grateful. Next time on Enterprising Individuals, who can you trust? A trio of captains draws Picard and the Enterprise into a web of intrigue where old men are karate kicking, Rikers eating mealworms, and no glass table goes unshattered. Sci-fi author Mark Giller joins me on our next show for a look at what could have been a dark new direction after the end of the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's the next-gen episode with the highest amount of exploded heads, Conspiracy, next time on Enterprising Individuals. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.